0: This is Killer Innovations, a show about ideas, creativity, and how you can innovate. Welcome to the Innovator's Garage, where you learn to create your next game changing, killer innovation.
1: I'm Phil McKinney, and welcome to my garage. This is the garage where technologies and products used by hundreds of millions of people worldwide were created, and where I now help others go from idea to world changing innovations. At The Innovation Show, we are all about ideas, creativity, innovations, and encouraging you to take the risk and take that idea that's kind of rattling around your head and do something with it. So, summer's long over, and now we're getting ready to go into the fall. Now, I'm a big believer in internships. Uh, it really is a way for people to learn. Uh, each summer, we bring in interns across a wide range of disciplines, both technical, legal, marketing, This year, we had interns on social media. And I'll tell you, this year's interns that I've had are very impressive. Uh, In some cases, pretty aggressive too. Now over the years, I've used interns to kind of be my pulse on what's happening in the education system. Now in my previous role, previous to my current job, I would typically select two interns and have them stay at my house. Uh, My wife typically volunteers during the summer as a camp nurse, and is gone that entire time. So, I actually have two interns live with me at the house. Um, now, uh, they typically would not work for me directly, they would report somebody else within my organization. But it was always interesting because at night I was barraged with constant questions, such as, Why do we do something a certain way? You know, why don't we do this, etc.? Now, most people think I'm nuts for even doing this. However, I learn so much from engaging with the interns and in particularly having the interns live with me. And it's a process that I call reverse mentoring. So what did I learn? Now, while there are always been overachievers in the internship programs, there's always been those students who are just way over the top. The mass of students are really not being prepared for what I call the innovation or the creative economy. The world is shifting from an information knowledge economy. And that started you know, in the late 60s, early 70s, with the advent of computers becoming much more prevalent. And we're seeing this shift to the innovation and to the creative economy. It's about a workforce that can invent solutions to the world's problems. It's not about having people being able to manufacture it. It's about that inventing process. And for those that can invent, They will be the leaders. Now to be successful in the innovation economy, students must have critical thinking skills. They must have problem solving experiences. They need some form of entrepreneurship or intrapreneurship. Intrapreneurship being the person who wants to start a business within an existing business, such as a whole new product line, those kinds of things. They have to have confidence. They have to have confidence in their idea and the idea that they're going to present. And they need to understand the process to create an idea and take it forward all the way through the execution. Not a niche kind of, I'm very deep in one technical area. So, uh, and these are skills that today are not being taught or not even be- being made available to many students. So, how do you give future generations that experience they need? In my mind, we need to raise the visibility and prestige for our top academic students. We need to make it such that people want to be those kinds of students, not just take a little niche area and do a little bit of work in one deep technical area, but understand kind of the broad base. It's what I refer to as a T-shaped individual. They are technical or they do have some deep expertise, such as in social media or marketing, but they're also horizontal they have enough experience across all of the different job functions and how businesses operate how do you launch businesses and how do you come up with an idea and how do you bring an idea to market hiring t-shaped individuals is hard we tend to focus people on deep knowledge in one particular area and particularly in the u.s. we suffer from kind of this test mentality we've driven the decision criteria on which kids are going to be successful by how well they do on any given test. The result is, is that we are now producing the world's greatest test takers. And I've talked in previous shows about my work with the U.S. Department of Education and trying to transform this. Believe me, it is incredibly hard to do. But we need to get serious about preparing the students of today to be able to live, survive, and prosper in this information, or coming out of this information, knowledge economy, moving into this innovation and creative economy. So back to this point about we need to make it desirable for students. We need to make it so that students want to get out there and be doing the things that are going to be the the prestige thing, right? We sit back and You know, the the famous people are the musicians that are out there or athletes that are out there or, um, you know, know, whatever the, 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 the social network is saying are people that we should be looking at, following, and modeling ourselves after. There's one person out there that I've been really impressed with that's really trying to transform this, and that's Dean Kamen. Now, Dean is, you know, probably one of the most prolific inventors out there. Um, He has done, he invented the Segway. He's invented uh, peritoneal kidney dialysis machines that uh, for people who are on kidney dialysis, the ability to do kidney dialysis at home has transformed their lives. You know, Dean's expertise goes from everything from software to hardware to um, medical devices to you name it. And Dean kind of saw this problem and he went off and founded what is called First Robotics. Now, the mission for First Robotics is, is to inspire young people to be science and technology leaders, and it's by engaging them in mentoring-based programs where companies or, or scientists or individuals work with them that, to build kind of that science, engineering, and technology skills that inspire the innovation, that foster a well-rounded set of capabilities, including the confidence and the communications and the leadership. And basically, their sponsorships are done in the form of creating teams that build robots, that compete against each other, and that eventually compete on the national scale. Now, Dean and I have met a few times at different events, and, and I can tell you he is passionate, like passionate beyond any scale about giving every kid the experience and opportunity to discover their passion, whatever it is. And he's not the only one. There are many programs and organizations out there that are about giving kids the opportunity. And in my case, I'm passionate in the form of internships, finding undergrad, graduate, postdoc opportunities to bring these students in, give them real world experience solving real problems, and therefore get that experience of what it's going to be like when they enter that work world. Now, in some cases, I'm actually now working with high school students because in many cases what I'm seeing in the college is they need more of that mentoring, more of that experience, even much, much earlier in their overall um, scholastic uh, you know career. And so now I'm seeing where there's opportunities and more businesses need to find these opportunities to bring in these younger kids, the middle school and the high schoolers, those kids that show an aptitude for an area that you need within your industry, and then finding a way to encourage them, finding a way to give them those experiences so that by the time they get into college, they know what they want to do, and they know what those opportunities really are and what they can be. And so uh, in my case, the way I do it is I really focus on these internship programs, and that has been absolutely a phenomenal experience. In the case of Dean Kamen, he does it through his... You know, there's his competitions through the robotic competitions with First Robotics. And there's others out there that are doing uh, exciting and interesting things. Um, and so uh key is, is, if you're a parent or a grandparent, niece or nephew, find that program and plug your kids in. Find a way to get your kids involved in these programs so that they can figure out what they're interested in, what they're passionate about. And whatever we do... Getting away from kind of this test mentality and to embed critical thinking skills and and, and embed creative skills into the students of the future is what's absolutely needed if we are going to create a competitive workforce that's going to be successful in the future given this change to the innovation and creative economy. Now, I may sound like a broken record, but this is the one area that I am incredibly passionate about. So there are many programs out there that do it. Today's guests are one of those, but with a twist. If you have a, a kid, a grandkid, or know a kid, then you want to hear about this. If you want to learn more about ideas and creativity and innovation, text the word INNOVATE to 33444. If you're outside the U.S., send an email to innovate at and I'll send you some materials. We'll stay connected by email, um, and this will help you get kind of your foundation set. But Stay tuned. Our next guests are those that are trying to raise the visibility for those students that are going to have the highest impact on the creative innovation economy. So stay tuned. I'm Phil McKinney, and you're listening to Killer Innovations on the BizTalk Radio Network.
0: This is Killer Innovations, a show about ideas, creativity, and how you can innovate. Welcome to the Innovator's Garage, where you learn to create your next game-changing killer innovation.
1: Focus is one of those characteristics I look for when I'm hiring someone on my team. So why is this important? Uh, Bruce Lee probably defines it best when he says, the successful warrior is the average man with laser-like focus. So, are you laser focused on your idea? I'm Phil McKinney, and you're listening to Kino Innovations. This is where we bring leading innovators to the show so that you can learn from them and take your idea and create a product or service that is game changing. So, today our guest is Peter Lerni and Mark Vercioni. They're the co founders of a company called STEMLEAT. We'll get to that in a minute. But I wanted to give Peter and Mark, an opportunity for you guys to introduce yourselves. So give us kind of that 60-second radio commercial. How do you introduce yourselves when you meet somebody at a dinner party that you've never met before?
2: Well, thank you, Phil. Uh, as a young man, I started my career off in the United States Navy. Uh, I have now 20-plus years of uh, professional services experience supporting the federal government, uh, providing scientific, engineering, technical, and advisory services. Uh, most recently my focus has been on uh, launching a stem lead with a good group of other people uh, a new global online community um, helping out to identify the world's most promising emerging stem talent
3: hey Phyllis Mark Fercioni. Um you know I've uh, been in the industry for 20 plus years working uh, anywhere from consulting and as an executive just engaged in strategy and business and IT transformation, and most of my career driving innovation um, in startups, across industries, um, and working with uh, Pete in the past. Uh, Pete and I have known each other for about 20 years and worked together in a startup as well as uh, throughout uh, different interactions in the marketplace. Um, but we're really focused on you know, the building blocks of innovation, you know, which is STEM,
1: so here, so why do you think that that STEM is so important for, for this 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 transformation to the innovation economy? What is it that that's got you guys so excited about it?
3: Well, one of the things, and I'm going to let Pete elaborate on this, is you know we really need to change the focus, and you know as you had mentioned and we had talked about earlier, Pete and I, there's all types of communities, for entertainers, for um, uh, athletes. Um, and so we really need to change the focus um, for those who are in a STEM career. And I'm going to let Pete elaborate on that. Well, you know, as Morgan was saying, there's a lot of communities, particularly for young student athletes. And these, these communities
2: exist these athletes can exhibit their excellence and share their knowledge, improve their performance, get recognized, establish a following, and be recruited and succeed. But there's nothing analogous for those kids, who have a passion of brains in science, technology, engineering, and math. So uh, I think that a community uh, with that type of focus is important. And I think also we, all, we know M- the NBA knew where LeBron James was early, well before he joined the NBA. And industry and academia and others need to have that over-the-horizon early targeting of the world's most promising STEM talent, no matter where it is. And I think that that's what's most important. And, so, and, so, give,
1: so, give a, so give the audience here a little bit of background on what StemLeet is. So how do you, you know, someone who has no background, no experience in StemLeet, how do you describe it to somebody that you meet on the street?
2: All right. StemLeet is a global online community deliberately designed for those individuals who have a passion and brains in STEM and want to get known and connect with people like themselves. On Stemlete, they can build an online profile, connect with people like themselves across 195 countries, 275 STEM areas. Interface translates in 64 languages. They could set up communities and collaborate.
3: That's the kind of community that it is. And you know something, Phil. Um, one of the big things, as we talked about uh, a little bit earlier, and how STEM um, is um, really the building block for enabling innovation. Innovation is where we were trying to drive here with STEMly. Um, in STEMly, you're allowed to, you know, collaborate, communicate. There's a lot of peer-to-peer. Mentoring going on inside of STEMly. You know, one kid uh, is working on a project, and another kid sees that globally, or even in the U.S., and is encouraged. Um, wants to get be part of that, or, or understand how that um, one student is going about creating what they're creating. So there's a lot of peer-to-peer mentoring in there. There's a collective genius. Um, you know, we talk a lot about crowdfunding. Uh, well, this is crowd genius. So you know, as as they're in there, kids are working together. Um, to communicate, communicate, collaborate, work on projects, and it's, it's an unimpeded global innovation opportunity. And, you know, you're using diversity of geographies, projects, experiences, cultures, uh, you know, types of kids, backgrounds, and so forth. So I think um, enabling innovation is uh, really a key passion here with STEM late.
1: So what's the average age for a, you know, for, for a student that's currently on the, the STEM Lead site? So let, let me back up maybe here for just a second, because I'm envisioning STEM Lead as kind of being the LinkedIn version for STEM students. If I've got that right, what's the average age of the students that are on STEM Lead today?
2: Right now, the average age is as a high school student and in college. The earliest someone could be on STEM Lead is the age of 13. And if you're under 18, you have to have uh, – Parental or legal guardian permission to be a member. And, you know, and so, how many also, how many
1: students are on how many students are on STEM Lead right now?
2: Right now, several thousand, and uh, okay. from about probably
3: forty five plus countries. Wow. Yeah. So it's really a global interaction. And um, you know, the other thing too is when you have an early stage in elementary school and junior high, kids are getting involved in STEM and they're driven towards STEMly, you know, STEM Lead's, you know the professionals of tomorrow. Um, that's a community for those professionals of tomorrow. But the kids are getting involved early on even in STEMly through other things like Jason Learning where we have a partnership and some of the other partnerships we have with those Discovery and Enablers and in interactive type of play and playgrounds out there.
1: Yeah, so the I guess the question for me on this is is um how do you find the students that are that are interested in STEM? That are just kind of naturally there, right? It's not the the broad population of students, but how do you find the students? How do they find you? How do, what's that connection between what you're doing and finding the students who who are a good fit?
2: That's where we are right now. So when we talk about STEM, like we call it making the machine. Right now, what the whole whole focus on is engaging. Um, High schools, I just had a, a high school uh, STEM coordinator from uh, Harrisonburg, Virginia reach out to me who wants to have his students use STEM to build online portfolios and use collaboration tools uh, starting this year. So we're focused, our community right now, on on um, getting the message out about it. What we believe so is, is that
1: yeah, so that, that that's great. Let let let's let's pause it right there because I want to pick this up as we go into uh, as we come back uh, out of the the segment. Stay right where you're at. If you've got kids, grandkids, or know someone with kids that you want to hear uh, what Peter Marker doing as we go into the as we extend this conversation around STEM, like as I've said in the past, the ability to to get to engage these kids and get them interested in STEM is going to be critical. For this innovation and creative economy, I'll be posting everything we talked about in the show notes at killerinnovations.com. So check it out. Stay right there. I'm Phil McKinney, and you're listening to Killer Innovations on the BizTalk Radio Network.
0: This is Killer Innovations, a show about ideas, creativity, and how you can innovate. Welcome to the Innovator's Garage, where you learn to create your next game-changing killer innovation.
1: As I get older, I look back and reflect on what I did and didn't do in my past. Now, this tends to be triggered whenever I hear the Mark Twain quote, 20 years from now, you will be more disappointed by the things that you didn't do than the ones that you did do. Now I do look back and sometimes I wonder what would have happened if I had done X. So our guests today are really trying to help students today who are interested in STEM to get engaged early through middle school and high school and not regret the times and and things that are wasted back in the school days and get them prepared for for this transition to the information or from the information to the innovation economy. Uh, so let's pick up where we left off in the last segment, uh, Peter and Mark. Um, and one of the things I want the listeners to walk away with is really what can they do when it comes to thinking about STEM and particularly around kids or kids they may interact with. So, so Mark, why don't you take the first one? What, is, what are those three things that the listeners can, can walk away with when we think about STEM?
3: Phil, I, I know your audience, you probably have some parents um, that are on board here, as well as some educators and just influencers all, 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 uh, all around, and they really need to be enablers, and when I say enablers, they themselves need to become STEM literate, have a good understanding of STEM, what it is and where it is today in society. We do have a STEM society, and then they also have to help through the discovery stage. When I say discovery stage... Um, You know, I've got a lot of kids, and my kids are always asking me questions about marine biology or whatever it may be, and sometimes I kind of uh, slowly blow them off just because uh, I'm real busy instead of spending some time with them and discovering, getting on Google, researching a little bit, spending a little time with them, and educating them along the lines of some of the questions they have and some of that discovery stage. And then the other thing is, you know, we really need to promote um, some of that experiential uh, kind of a playground. And I'm going to let Pete jump on that one. Well, there was a really great book that I read, uh,
2: recently called Creating Innovators by, uh, Tony Wagner. And he talked about the three P's. He talked about, you know, play first. We have to get engaged children early, getting them to play and be exposed to things that are science related. The second was getting them to build a passion. And the third thing, eventually, they will involve a purpose to it. And I think a great enabler of that is there's so many children's science museums in this country, but there aren't enough. And you think of there's over 3,000 counties in the country, you would think of at least one major mall in every county would have a children's science lab where kids could go in there and they could play. I know some individuals here in northern Virginia that are doing that, but that's one of the great ways we could start to, in addition to what they learn in the classroom, really help kids uh,
3: get exposed to uh, to science early. And so, you know, as a uh, uh, so second takeaway, as we're talking about this experiential discovery centers and playgrounds, employers, and I know we have employers out there in the audience, um, but the employers kind of need to create this connection between academic and application. And how do you do that? Well, it's, it's these internships, but I would say you call them a, a little little more of an internship in the early stages when they're in high school um, or even junior high and helping to understand what does a company do, you know, um, the engineering aspect of things, getting them excited about it, creating passion uh, around what a company in particular is doing, and, and then creating challenges for them. And at the same time, these employers are getting to discover who are those top five kids in there who really have a passion for STEM and are really going to move forward and are going to be the next enabler of innovation or a next innovator in that company. And so I think what has to happen is employers need to get engaged early on from a mentoring aspect, creating challenges, and just creating that connection between academic and application, real-world application, almost like the discovery and the the, uh, uh, experiential playgrounds. And then, well, I think um, it's an interesting
1: I, point because back you know years ago when I well not that long ago but when I was in Silicon Valley I served on the board at the Tech Museum, in San Jose and it's the Tech Museum of Innovation, and one of the things that we 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 experimented at the Tech was to create uh, what annually what was called the Tech Challenge. It was corporate sponsored, and it was a problem statement that was given out to students, and it worked all the way from grade school all the way through high school, and it was. Scaled accordingly, so grade school kids did a delivered a certain element of it, and high school students did a much more bigger, more complex. And a couple of years ago, I was judging one of them, and it was on uh, removing the uh, plastic waste in the ocean. Um, and so the kids, little kids, thought up you know drawings and kind of highlighting the problem, whereas the high school kids actually created uh, Lego robots to actually. Go off and they had to skim a certain amount of material off of this big huge pool as part of proving it. But just to watch those kids, the eyes, the, the passion, that energy was, was actually inspiring for me. Right? You know, kind of us old, crusty old guys that had been in the innovation game for so long, we'd become a little calloused over time. But watching these kids, it was just amazing, it was just mind-blowing.
3: Well, what's interesting, too, is, you know, with uh, Stemly, it's an online community that allows for some of that discovery and for corporations and those in academia to interact with some of the kids and see what they're doing for projects and not only encourage them, but, um, you know, help them out along the way. Um, It's interesting seeing some of these kids around the world who will take garbage and turn that little garbage into neat little innovations or renovations of things. And I think what happens is they get lost in the shuffle and, you know, there's an opportunity for companies to get in there, engage with these kids on some of the projects, um, help them to create more of an interest and a passion for it. So I think uh, early on, um, this is the best time for companies to find the talent as well as for academia to find the next student at their school and the next innovator. And, you know, Pete was going to talk a little bit about some of those uh, online communities that we think students need to leverage a little more as well. Um, And I know we have some students online, and and there's a lot of opportunities for them to leverage what's out there today. Well, there are a lot of online communities out there where
2: uh, students can um, not only learn what they're seeing in the classroom at their respective schools, but get access to rich multimedia uh, uh, curriculum and things of that nature. But more importantly, I think, you know, you always think about a child having a mentor as an adult. But what's more important is, is this is a peer-to-peer mentoring. And so if you have a, a kid, I'll use an example, in northern Virginia, who has a passion for building a little micro-air vehicle, and he could put that, a video of that little micro-air vehicle on an online community that's very STEM-focused, and another kid overseas sees the same thing, and the two of them connect, and he decide to set up a secure group and build uh, an algorithm that allows 150 little micro air vehicles to do aerial choreography to lights and music, then people might say, well, how did those kids come up with that algorithm? And that's what's so brain-filled based upon the point that you made, because these young minds are not polluted. They're unimpeded. So, you know, online communities where STEM focus is where any good kid could bring where somebody might say, that's a bad idea, well, let's see if that's a bad idea, because likely it's not.
1: So here's the question for you. How do you, you know, you're, you guys have been working on launching StemLate. You've gotten some early traction with uh, a couple, you know, in the thousand categories of kind of students that are out there using it today. What is, what's the biggest roadblock for StemLate STEM to be successful? If you had to pick one big roadblock, what is it?
3: I think what happens is um, many of these companies out there and even academia promote STEM, but aren't really engaged. And there's a disconnect between promoting and really engaging. And I think um, what we need to do is, is have more of the, the, the people working in these companies to engage with students and engage in those communities and, and leverage some of that talent as well. And I think what happens is, um, you know, everyone wants to hire the next talent, but not everyone wants to go out there and really discover the next talent. And I, th- I think what has to happen is you're gonna have to have academia, you're gonna have to have um, corporations out there, industry out there, start putting a little more effort into discovering STEM talent early on and engaging them early on. And I think that's the biggest roadblock we have. Everyone talks about STEM, but not everyone is truly engaged.
2: I think Mark's really right because, you know, for anything to be successful, it requires a partnership. And there are many good, decent uh, educators out there, but many don't have that practical, real-world experience.
1: And I think... Yeah, that's for, an it- and, and Peter, that's an interesting point, because some of them don't have that, that experience. And I think one of the things that we could all do is engage with STEMLEAT. So, Peter, Mark, I want to thank you for joining us. If people want to follow what you're doing with STEMLEAT, how do they find you?
2: They could go and they could look at www.stemleat.org. That's S-T-E-M-L-E-T-E dot org.
1: Great. Thank you very much. Thank you. Peter, Mark, appreciate you joining in. If you want to stay connected, text the word INNOVATE to 33444 or drop an email to innovate at I'm Phil McKinney. This is Innovations. We'll be right back with this week's killer question.
0: This is Killer Innovations, a show about ideas, creativity, and how you can innovate. Welcome to the Innovator's Garage, where you learn to create your next game-changing killer innovation.
1: So how are you doing with your weekly creative muscle exercises? My objective is to give you challenges each week that's going to cause you to kind of stretch that muscle just a little bit more. So get out that notebook, whether it's a moleskin or scrap pieces of paper, or if you use your Evernote app on your smartphone, whatever it is, the key is it has to be with you. And get in the habit of writing down whatever inspires you, but most importantly, whatever frustrates you. Um, And also take ideas from other people in the conversation you might have. Start collecting up those ideas because they kind of become that, that fuel to the fire, if you really want to get out there and create something that's going to be game changing, it's going to come from those ideas that you capture. And I'm a big believer in the use of questions that cause us to look at things completely differently, differently than we've ever looked at them in the past. So what I refer to as, as a mind hack, it causes your brain to stop and then look at something completely differently in a way that you've never looked at it before. So what is this week's Mind hack the question is is how will you identify and locate customers in five years? We all know how we do customers today. We kind of you know the the best practices of using Facebook ads or Google AdWords or Salesforce is going out there and calling on customers um, but how will you identify and locate customers five years from now right so Think back. Every hot trend reaches a point where I call kind of the Uncle Larry moment. Uncle Larry moment is when one of your older relatives announces that he's taken up something that seemed cutting edge, futuristic, and exciting up until that very second. So Facebook and Twitter no longer passed the Uncle Larry moment. MySpace passed it years ago, right? Things that we thought were hot, and now everybody's using it. It's Critical to constantly reconsider and change the way you are communicating with your customers. Look at how you are finding them. How are they finding you? Are you applying an old-world mentality to a new-world technology? Don't rely on today's version of social media. The question I want you need to ask yourself is: Is what is tomorrow's Twitter, and will you be able to recognize and embrace it in a timely fashion? The only way to really gauge which company will be the next thing and which will quickly disappear is to find out what the people around you are actually using. Now, for example, I knew Groupon, when it first came out, I knew it was going to be something to watch. Way before it went big, when I heard my wife mention it to three different friends within 24 hours, and my wife is not a techie. So how are you going to communicate with your customers as the way they communicate changes? So it's kind of like what you know, email to Twitter, you know, Facebook Messenger, WhatsApp, Snapchat, Slack now being the the hot instant messaging application. You know, a few years ago I heard a lot about companies reaching out to their company customers through blogs, and how more and more people are abandoning blogs. You know, Robert Scoble, you know, very well known. Um, futurist based in Silicon Valley, known him for many, many years, announced over a year ago that he was abandoning his blog. He hasn't posted to his blog in over a year. right? So people are now even abandoning blogs. I, I'm not abandoning my blog, by the way. You can still find me over at my blog over at philmckinney.com. But there's a number of people who are just abandoning blogs. So to be ready for these shifts and changes, you or someone on your team has to be an early adopter. If there's just not going to happen within your corporate structure, then at least don't be a follower, right? Be an early adopter. Don't be a follower. Don't watch to see what's working for other people and then copy them a year later. Don't be the last corporation to get a Twitter account or ask people to like them on Facebook. You have to take some risks. You have to get out there. You're going to try new things. I mean, I have accounts on probably every social media platform that either exists or has also gone out of business, right? Soon as something new comes on, I go stake my territory. I watch it. I post to it. I see what the level of engagement is. I see if any people who are following me are on there that follow me on these new platforms, and then I'll engage, right? But I'll have to tell you, probably 75% of those that I've tried have failed, but You got to get out there. You've got to be willing to experiment because trying to figure out where your customers are going is going to be critical for your long-term success. So the question really is, is what are your customers going to spend their time in, in the next five years? How are they going to, if you look at a daily 24-hour clock, where do they spend their time? And that tells you where you need to be if you want to communicate with them. What new and emerging media is going to be competing for that time in five years? Some would argue virtual reality is going to be that thing that's going to be competing for time with future customers. Is it watching TV, YouTube, Netflix, listening to music, uh, social networking? If you want to talk and reach your customers, you have to be where they're at. So what is, what's going to be engaging? What's taking up their time? And then how will you find and communicate with your customers in the future? How do you find them? How do you discern what their likes and dislikes are? What are they willing to do? With you, What is it that, that their likes are shifting? How do you track that? How do you find that? So again, this week's is how will you identify and locate customers in five years? So this week's creative muscle exercise is identify three ways to identify and locate your customer. How are you going to track them? How will you know where they're going? What trends are you going to be tracking? Figure that out. And then how will you find out what they are interested in? So get your notebook out. Set aside 15 minutes a day. That's not much time, but it could have a huge impact on you. Share your homework. Send it in. um, Send it over to Phil at phil.connovations.com. I'll take a look at it. I read every email. I'll send you back my thoughts on your ideas that you're working on. So the key here is, is just don't sit here and listen. Get out there and go do it. If you want to connect with me on a more regular basis, connect with me. You can send... Uh, Just text the word INNOVATE to 33444, or you can send an email to innovate at killinnovations.com. And uh, that way we get connected, and I can keep you updated on everything that's going on here. Uh, While you're at it, check out killinnovations.com. The new site is live. It's still in beta mode, so interested in your feedback on that. Also, don't miss out the other great shows over at BizTalk Radio Network. Visit biztalkradio.com. While you're there, grab the mobile app and you can listen to the show live. If you've got any new uh, innovators that you think stories should be told, go ahead and drop me a note at phil at Today's show was engineered by Brandon, who has that tough, tough task of keeping me on the clock. I'm Phil McKinney, and don't let the innovation antibodies get you down. Keep on innovating. We'll talk to you next week. Bye bye.
0: The opinions you hear on Biz Talk Radio are those of the hosts, callers, and guests, and do not necessarily reflect those of this station, Biz Talk Radio, its management, or advertisers. The information on Biz Talk Radio does not constitute a recommendation, offer, or solicitation to buy or sell any product or service. If you have any questions about Biz Talk Radio, contact us at 817 274 1609 or at biztalkradio.com. Biz Talk Radio.